I'd also like to read with you Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 103. And this is in the context of the Ten Commandments, looking at the Fourth Commandment. Question and answer 103, we're asked, what does God require in the Fourth Commandment? Our answer, first, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that, especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the Church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, today we have a rather strange phenomenon, things perhaps that were not really common, let's say many, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago in reformed circles, especially in conservative reformed circles. We have this phenomenon that we have relatives who attend non-reformed churches and have embraced the teachings of these churches. And because of, of this situation that has, ar has arisen in our day and age, we face something else. We get these awkward situations happening sometimes. We get a, a card in the mail inviting us to say the anniversary or a birthday party to someone, an uncle, an aunt, uh, uh, someone dear, maybe a, a sibling, and your heart sinks when you see when it is. It is about the time when we have worship in the afternoon. And your heart sinks because you know that you're going to have to have this very difficult, awkward conversation with let's, somebody you care about. It's a loved one, or uh, some, someone uh, who's a relative. And you don't want to upset them or hurt their feelings. But so, and so you're going to have to have this awkward conversation with them. I can't come because that's the time we have worship on Sunday afternoons and we don't, well, we try not to do things like that on the Lord's Day. And chances are their response quite often will be negative toward you. They're either going to say something like, you know, you're too ju judgmental. You know, you like to judge other people for what they do or they'll say, well, what do you think? You're going to church on Sunday afternoon. I'm not going. You think you're a better Christian than me? Or they'll say, uh, you know, you are very cold-hearted and callous that uh, you're not willing to make this small sacrifice just this one Sunday for the sake of the family. I mean, think about what this is going to mean to Oma or Opa or whatever, whoever it is, you know, and you're, willing, you're saying no. Or they might point fingers at the church that you go to and say, you know, it's not your fault. It's the, church of that church, uh, uh, it's the fault of that church you go to. They're too strict. They're too legalistic. And they have brainwashed you into thinking that just because you don't go to church one Sunday afternoon that, well, what, you're going to go to hell for that? You know? And, as, and, and this doesn't happen only in these situations. We have children um, who are growing up, and um, they may have friends from Christian families, but they may not have the same convictions as we do. And at times, from time to time, our children are going to be invited to birthday parties, or skating parties, coinciding again with the time of our, say, afternoon worship service. Or as our children grow up, sometimes they want to play hockey, they want to join a hockey team, or they want to join a swim team, 
or they want to become a professional equestrian, that's horse rider, um, the, who jump over the, the things, the hurdles. Um, but you know, these all are activities that take place on Sundays. They have competitions and so on on Sundays. Uh, sometimes uh, our kids, well, this hasn't happened in a while. It may not happen for a long, long time again, but someday, someday, our kids will be going to malls again to hang out, and dads will get to hear maybe something that they've been missing, um, to hear their teenagers say to them, but dad, everyone is going. Everybody is doing it, right? Perhaps we missed that, but someday we'll hear it again. Uh, and so it's getting harder uh, be, to, 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 to keep the Lord's Day holy, the Sabbath day holy, because the world that we live in quite often sees Sunday as, as no different to any other day, and that's becoming more and more so. And many, even in the church community, are quite content to use this day for family, to catch up on chores, even to miss church one Sunday, to watch soccer or football. Many will respond to you. They'll say that keeping the Sabbath day holy is, is just Old Testament. They'll say that Jesus fulfilled all the commandments and now we're free from any restrictions. We don't need to rest from our labors per se. As long as we go to church once, then we're free to use the rest of the Sunday like any other day. Many in our day think this way. And so this afternoon, we want to ask if there's any validity in those views. And we want to ask, are we overly strict or, or too traditional? Or is our view of the Lord's Day and how we keep it biblical? And by our theme, I hope to, to answer that question immediately, and then we'll develop it a little bit more. Our theme is this, as we look at Lord's Day 38, our Savior God calls us to thankful devotion in the fourth commandment. Our Savior God calls us to thankful devotion in the fourth commandment. And we'll see two ways in which he calls us to do this. In the first place, by Lord's Day worship, and in the second place, in the second place by everyday living. Our claim then, as hopefully is clear from our theme, is that the Lord calls us to show our thankful devotion to him by keeping the Lord's, by keeping the fourth commandment. And he calls us to, to, to do this, we said, uh, in the first place, by Lord's Day worship. In our catechism, it was summarized this way, and this is a, a summarizing of scriptural teaching. Our answer to the question of 103 is, first, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained and that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. And so the fourth commandment calls every Christian, this is our confession, this is what we are convicted of, calls every Christian to diligently attend the church of God. Diligently here has a sense of uh, purposefully, not just a matter of habit or routine, it's something that we dedicate ourselves to. We come with gladness, joyfulness, with passion, something we want to do, something we delight in. And worship, we confess, is our primary calling, first and foremost on the Lord's Day. But before we get into this, let's just take a step back and ask why. Why do we do this? Why has God commanded this? And here's a simple answer. 
This day commemorates the mighty creative works of God. Okay, that's what it goes back to. Think about when the day of rest, the Sabbath, was originally created or, 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 uh, or established at creation, at the very beginning of the world. And we hear this in Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, that is flowing out of that, as a result of that, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so God established the Sabbath day to memorialize forever his finished work of creation, which was a perfect and amazing work. He spoke into the nothingness, and, not, and all things came into being at his word. And at the end of his creative week, God blessed the seventh day, and he made that day holy. He set it apart as special. He sanctified it. And for all time, it was to be used to commemorate God's glory and power. He set aside a special day that was to be used by his people to exclusively worship him and to remember his works and to sheer his joy. And it was to be a permanent observance. How do we know that? Because centuries later, after Genesis was written, God's people, Israel, they stand at the foot of Mount Sinai, having been redeemed from bondage, from slavery in Egypt, and God stands them up at the foot of Mount Sinai, now about to covenant with them, establish them as his holy and beloved people, a kingdom of priests. He formally establishes them as his. And, and what, does, what is one of his commands? The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, he says, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Why? Why? Listen to the rest of it, and this is very important. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. That's the reason. And then flowing out of that, we hear the therefore. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so the fourth commandment was not created especially for Israel's sake. Keeping the Sabbath was not, a, say, a Jewish thing. Israel was simply reminded of something that had already been permanently fixed by God at the very beginning, a law that celebrated his creation of the entire world and all in it in six days. But someone might say to you, but that was Old Testament. Jesus came and he fulfilled all of the commandments, including the fourth commandment. We live under grace, not law. And, and didn't Jesus himself said that the, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath? What, what does that mean? It means that we're not to slavishly serve the Sabbath. The day is for us, for our use. That's one of the objections that you would hear in, your, in our day. And, and in a sense, there's a, 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 some truth in that. The Sabbath certainly is a blessing to us. It certainly benefits us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We don't argue that. But the way that the, the Sabbath is a blessing to us the most 
is if we use it for the purpose that God established it. That is to rest, to set aside our regular labors and rest in Him for that day. Someone might say, well, every day is a day to praise the Lord. Yes, but the Lord set up knowing us. He set aside one special day. You remember my creative works on that day. Remember what I have done. You worship me on that day. And by the way, if we're going to quote Jesus, if someone throws the words of Jesus out at you, you can also respond this way. If you're going to quote Jesus, you should also remember that Jesus said, not we said, Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, now think about that for a second. And, and right in those words, we're given the, the, something of the, we were informed of the permanence of this day. When Jesus says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, well, to be Lord of something, it must exist, right? If there was no Sabbath, he can't be Lord of the Sabbath. If, if the bank tomorrow foreclosed on my mortgage and took away my house, I couldn't say my house is my castle, I'm king of my castle anymore, could I? And in the same way, in order to be Lord of the Sabbath, the Sabbath must exist. You can't be Lord of something that has been rendered obsolete, something that has disappeared in history. And so the Sabbath remains. But you say, well, yeah, okay, even if I'm able to, to concede that, yeah, the Sabbath remains, the seventh day is Saturday. Sunday is the first day of the week. Numerous times we hear in the New Testament the church meeting together on the first day of the week. Why has that changed then? Why has it changed? It has changed to commemorate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rose on the first day of the week. You say, well, what does that have to do with creation? See, just as God rested from his work of creation at the beginning, at the very beginning, so Jesus rested. We might say the resurrection brought to an end his perfect work. His work of bringing in the new creation was completed when he rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, we hear creation language used in the New Testament to speak of the work of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you know this by heart, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Okay? Jesus is the inaugurator of that new creation. He is called the cornerstone of God's renewed kingdom. And so just as the seventh command or the seventh day memorialized the completion of God the Father's creation of the world, so today we commemorate the day that our Lord Jesus completed his work of our salvation and our reconciliation to God. And that dear brothers and sisters, is what should still motivate us today to come together, to congregate, and to worship Christ on this day. How do we do that? The Catechism lays this out for us. One of the things it mentions is that we regularly attend the assembly of God's people. And, and that's, that's worship. It's talking here about worshiping. And what do we do in worship? We learn what God's word teaches. 
That's why the catechism includes that the gospel ministry and the schools be maintained. By schools here, it's talking about seminaries. What it's saying is that in the preaching of God's word, which is central to the worship service, the ministry of uh, that that uh, the, the the ministry is represented in the preaching of the word. God's people in the preaching of the word are spiritually nourished. Conversions are made under the preaching, and in order for that to happen, men have to be trained for the gospel ministry. We we believe that as conservative reformed people, we believe that, and to that end, we establish and we support seminaries. Because we believe and we have come to know that in these schools, men are trained to properly exposit the Bible. In seminary, men go and they spend three years, four years, sometimes years of preparation even before that. And it's a continuous life of learning after that. But you learn and you are learning how to translate the Bible from the original Greek and Hebrew. You're learning how to understand passages in their context. And so you're not ripping a verse out uh, from here or there and, and, and misusing it and misleading God's people. In seminary, you're learning how to properly explain and apply biblical passages to God's people. And so God gives us the Sabbath day so that the proclamation of the good news may be proclaimed and maintained. In worship as well, we are blessed with the use of the sacraments. In in the worship service, from time to time, we are blessed to see the water of baptism, which reminds us of what, boys and girls? Of the blood of Jesus Christ, which, which washes us of our impurity, of our sins. And we get to eat the bread and drink the wine as believers to remember that the body of Christ was given and his blood was shed for our salvation. It is in worship as well that we get to call publicly upon the Lord. That is, that's another way of saying pray. We get to pray together as God's people, together with my fellow believers, those who have also been set apart from the world to serve Christ, those who also acknowledge Christ as intercessor and mediator and king. From Monday to Saturday, we pray together with our families. We have our personal prayers. On Sundays, we pray, pray with our church family. And together, we render praise and adoration to God. We confess our sins together. We offer thanksgivings for his blessings. We make intercession for the concerns of our members and for the church at large. And of course, a part of the Lord's Day worship as well is to give Christian offerings for the poor. The Lord commands us, in fact, in Psalm 96, to bring an offering and come into his courts. And again, it's not that the Lord needs our finances, right? Cattle on a thousand hills are his. Giving is an act of worship. It's an act of faith. We give because God gives to us, and we are convinced that he is able to take care of our every need. And we give because Christ, in Matthew 28, calls us to be concerned for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the unclothed, for the sick, for, the, for the, those in prison. And following the, the early church, we obey that command in corporate worship on the Lord's day. And in these ways, we may show our thankful devotion to God. 
to a, to a large extent, we keep the fourth commandment, we keep the Sabbath day holy by Lord's Day worship. That's why we're never to neglect worship. We heard in our scripture passage the Holy Spirit urging the church in Hebrews 10 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some. That is, as, is, as has become the habit of some. And so this was already a problem in the days of the early church while the apostles were still alive. We're not to do that, not to get into that habit of, of missing church, missing, missing worship, but exhorting one another and so much more uh, as you see the day approaching. That is, we are to encourage each other to congregate each Sunday and we ourselves are to delight in worship. Listen to the kind of language that's used in Hebrews 10 to be reminded of how seriously God still takes our assembling before him to worship. Anyone who ignores this, this is how they're described as trampling underfoot the Son of God. They have outraged the spirit of grace. They have put themselves in the position of being condemned and judged by the one who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And listen to these words. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Dare we then ignore what the Lord has commanded? In Psalm 95, we hear the call to come joyfully to worship. Psalm 100 calls God's people to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The Lord's Day, Lord's Day worship is something that we are to delight in. And I think I would be pretty safe to say that we all would be in agreement with that. I don't think any of us would argue with that. We all would say that, yeah, we understand the, the, the Bible's call that we are required to go to church on Sundays. And yet, it's not that way across the board, people of God. How often we hear these days, sadly, of church members who are allowed to and are able to not attending church, choosing to not attend church. And so this, strangely enough, is a commandment that we as God's people need to hear again today. It's not uncommon to hear that this has become a source of stress to many consistories and councils, people who are able to and allowed to come to church choosing to stay home and either watching live stream or just vegging for the day, maybe taking the phrase day of rest a little much for, uh, too far. Brothers and sisters, may this not be true of us. May we not forget why we're called to worship. May we commemorate God's creation of the world and his new creation in Christ and thereby grow in our faith. But as the Lord calls us to show our thankful devotion to him by keeping the fourth commandment, we see in the second place that he calls us to do so by everyday living. Our catechism says it this way, second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. We're reminded here that the, the Sabbath or the, or the Lord's Day has broader implications than just what we do in this building at this hour. We might say that 
the Sabbath day has a ripple effect on the rest of our lives. Having kept the Sabbath day holy, we are then influenced, we are then motivated to live holy lives every day. We can put it this way. If on the, on the Lord's day I have worshipped the Lord diligently and faithfully, if I have truly and sincerely focused on Him, I have recognized the greatness and the glory of God, then I take that with me into the other six days of the week. If on the Sabbath day I have remembered the sacrifice of Christ and I have been assured by the preaching and the sacraments but that for His sake I have been forgiven, I have been washed, I have been sanctified, I have been justified, then that does something to how I live my life from Monday to Saturday. If I have worshipped well, and if it doesn't, then I have not worshipped well. And I have gained nothing. I've just sat in this building out of custom and tradition, even superstition. Maybe I'm not even converted. If, if the Sabbath day, if the Lord's day, has no influence on the rest of my week, sometimes we have to ask, to go so far as to say, am I really converted? And if not, then, then we need to have a different conversation, don't we? A more basic conversation. Then you need to heed the words of Jesus that you must be born again. If you, need to, if you are going to benefit from the Lord's day, it starts with this basic truth. You must be born again. And you need to heed the words of the apostles. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We need to take those words to heart and take it very seriously. If we say, well, the Lord's day doesn't really have any influence on my life. By Monday morning, I'm the same person I used to be and I have no desire to change. Nothing is going to change. You need to pray as the church father Augustine prayed, command what you will and give what you command. That's how he prayed to God. He said, command what you will, but then give what you command. And say with John Calvin, my heart I offer to you, Lord, promptly and sincerely. We need to pray this way. We do this in order that we may be truly blessed by the Lord's day. Because you see, spiritually speaking, the Lord's day is refreshing, it's nourishing, it's regenerating, reinvigorating. It's like stopping at a well and sitting under a shady tree as we travel through the desert. And at that well, we stop and we quench our thirst and we rest our body and we take in some food. In the same way, on the Lord's day, we need that refreshment of soul. We need that strengthening of heart. Let's be honest, we even need to take a break from sinning all week. At least to slow things down a bit. And the Lord's Day affords us that rest. Many of us work in perhaps high-stress jobs. Many of us are on the go all the time. And if we're honest, most of us would, would uh, confess that our spiritual lives take a hit every week. We don't make the time, or we say we're too busy, to, to really spend time listening to the Lord, reading the Holy Scriptures, and, and let, letting it speak to us. Or, or, we live in situation, or, or we work in situations or are in situations where 
We're surrounded by ungodly people and ungodliness all the time. People dropping the F-bomb all around us every two seconds. Being crude all around us. Maybe we live in in situations like that. Or or, or we work in situations like that. And so it's, it's hard to live out our calling as God's children in the situations in which we work and among the people that we are forced to rub shoulders with. And, and being home is no easier either because housewives are busy changing diapers, wiping noses, doing laundry, cooking meals, helping children with homework and memory work and piano practice. And the week goes by so fast in a blur so often. The good news is the Lord gives us Sunday and how we need it. Because if we have worshipped well, if we have rested well in the Lord on the Lord's day, then we have learned and we have been taught, we have been tutored by His Holy Spirit. And we're being trained on the Lord's day by God to rest from our evil works every day of our lives throughout the rest of the week. We might say it this way, if we keep the Sabbath day properly, it prepares us to deal with the belligerent customer or the guy who is cussing around us all the time. It enables us to be patient with our children, especially our teenagers. Boys and girls, if we worship well on the Lord's day, it helps us to be respectful to our parents, to honor them the way they are called to be honored. Proper worship on the Lord's day enables us to love our spouses as we ought. It helps us to not give in to sin so easily and to hourly fight the good fight of faith. Sabbath day keeping so influences us that we become more open to, as the catechism puts it, letting the Lord work in us through His Spirit. What does that mean? It means that the Sabbath day breaks down. It has that that, uh, effect on us. that It breaks down our resistance and it softens our wills so that we are willing to be taught. We have come to church, we have worshipped diligently, we have sang songs of praise, we have given our heart and our soul to God, we have heard the gospel of grace preached once again today, we have given ourselves to God in worship and throughout the Lord's day. And so from Monday to Saturday, that has an effect on us. You will catch yourself opening your Bible from Monday to Saturday, not because you have to, not because your parents taught you that this is what you do, but because you want to learn, you want to grow. You will find yourself opening your Bibles during the week, and you will find yourself taking a good book out of the, out of the, out of the church library or, or listening to a podcast as you drive to work because you want to learn, you want to grow. You will have these conversations with yourself where you will say to yourself, self, you need to grow as a Christian. You're not growing. You need to do better. You can do better. There are things that need to change in your life. And so you will then seek ways to apply God's word practically to your life during the week. If you have worshiped well on the Lord's day, the Lord's day has that effect on us. If we have used it well, we will be praying throughout the week 
that the Holy Spirit of Christ will be cleansing us from all sin and renewing us more and more so that we are becoming more and more Christ-like. And we're no longer taking pride in our sins or making excuses for our sins or holding on to pet sins in our lives. And we are repentant. We are repentant. We are remorseful when we do sin. And we find no joy like we used to in the sins of the old nature, sins that we used to take pride in before. Sins like pride or anger or lust or envy or covetousness or greed or slander or gossip. We don't take pleasure in these things any, anymore because if we have worshiped well on the Lord's day, as God has commanded us to, then we have begun to rest from our evil ways and this sets a pattern for us for the rest of the week, indeed for the rest of our lives. And so, says the Catechism, we already begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. This is talking about heaven, of course. Heaven is the place where we'll no longer have to have these conversations anymore, will we? Because sin will be removed from us and we will finally and fully be able to love our God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And every honest sinner here this afternoon will admit that we look forward to that, perhaps more than anything else. Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, being with Jesus, all the wonderful things that we look forward to in heaven, great. Those, are, those things are wonderful. We all look forward to those things. But every honest sinner here this afternoon will have to admit that perhaps the thing that I long for the most is for God to remove sin from me. And that will take place in heaven. One day we will be there, folks. God's unfailing promise is that whosoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. But here's the good thing. We can begin to experience this even now. We have a foretaste. We have a taste of the batter in anticipation of the chocolate, cook, uh, chocolate chip cookies because we have the Lord's Day. We have worship. We have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. And so already in this life, we begin the eternal Sabbath. In the congregation, the world may see Sunday as no other different day to any other day. And many, even sadly in the church communities, are quite content to use the day for other things. Let this not be so for us. Let us continue to find delight in the Lord's day for the good of our souls and for the glory of our great God and King. Amen.